You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more about this show and my other show, Enthusiasts, plus to get the latest interviews, K-pop news, album reviews, and so much more, subscribe to the show's free newsletter at 17karatkpop.substack.com. Enjoy the show! Hello, everybody! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-pop. It's time for my monthly roundup of the can't-miss new releases, my top 20 ranking and review of the best in K-pop, C-pop, J-pop, etc. Usual situation applies where I just take this very seriously, so sorry if your fave didn't make the cut. Never a personal diss towards your fave. It's so monumentally hard to narrow this down every month, let alone rank them, so please understand that. Nothing personal. I try to keep my objective music critic head on when I rank and review these. And stay tuned because your fave may get a special shout out in the big honorable mention section of the episode at the end. But without further ado, here is my pick for number 20 best release of May. One Us, Pygmalion. The Pygmalion effect that the album is named after is a real psychological effect. Kind of a placebo though. A real thing that is noted, but also noted as a fake. So it's understood as a thing people honestly believe. Whether it has a concrete impact or is all in their head, that's another discussion. I'll link to some interesting research actually on this effect because it has been shown sometimes that the higher expectations you give someone, the more they excel. By telling them you're capable of a better job, they do a better job. Kind of like fake it till you make it, positive thinking, labeling theory, self-fulfilling prophecies, that kind of thing. If you think you can, you will. There are, though, lots of other studies I read that kind of contradict that and say that doesn't really pan out in this example. So a million caveats where positive thinking will not manifest a certain result, but sometimes it can be the needed encouragement boost. So how it translates to real world impacts is debated. But I do love that they called this album Pygmalion. They're manifesting their album success into existence. And they got me thinking, as they did with the intro called Lethe, which we just talked about in the episode called In Hyphen's Epic Tales. So I love that nod to something I already had to look up for a different episode. They have a mix of drama, orchestral flourishes, some emo pop in this album, and with the visuals, like Black Mirror era dark aesthetic. But they have a a bunch of different cute details too. The video for Unforgettable is just a cute, wholesome friendship story. Haley's Comet is just a nice guitar-filled ballad. Echo shows off their higher register power. It's R&B-ish, mid-tempo at the most. Shout out to Lido for writing it. So they mix tempos and moods, so it's a variety pack, but all with that all-encompassing theme of confidence and trust in their vision. Number 19. I and I drop that. Fanfare, I honestly think, is their most fun song to date. Like, to date period, fanfare is it. It is so fun. Great title track choice. They have other happy, fun pop songs here with chanting, feel good, guitars and percussion, more of an old school hip hop feel to drop. So, fans of the boys, P1 Harmony, I get some of those energies from drop. It's very fun and feel good, and they're so likable. You can see that in the intro video for this comeback. They talk about togetherness and following their dreams, all that good corny stuff. They're freestyle dancing in bright clothes, hanging out together. It's just a cute, happy friendship story, but also just a fun, confident, sonically rowdy one. Number 18, B2B Wind and Wish. 
As usual, Hyunseek and Minghyuk produced every track, so that's super impressive. They're very hands-on. And they were just back in their sweet spot with dance ballad type stuff. This album is just totally in their usual wheelhouse with lots of moving lyrics and emotion, but also some danceable undercurrents to some songs. The retro rhythm, the new jack swing to Moonride, the goofy lyrics and the bouncy beat in the chorus for day and night. They have a good time, but they also know how to let out all their feelings. So it's quite a, an emotional all over the place release that is just very true to them. They always give 110%. So the drama for a danceable song, eh, they didn't have to go that hard, but they did. Number 17, say the name, 17, Karen Cece, Everybody Loves Me. She sounds like Chin Mina meets Yon Yon maybe, meets Bibi. Her style's an interesting cavalier delivery, meets emotional delivery, meets punk wardrobe, meets just trendy throwback wardrobe, confident I'm fine on my own energy, meets pained breakup energy, multitudes. So this mix of like R&B and punk tinged pop, it's quite interesting, shows off her interesting character, and is some of the best lyrics on Different. With that song, I play around, but I still win first place. I like that mood. I don't really say much because I like to do things my way. Ain't nobody love me, so I guess I'll just not listen. It's full of energy, like, it's whatever, I don't care. But you can decide how sincere she is when she says that. DGAF energy, but vulnerability too. Number 16, Ash Island, Rose. This release is way more emotional than I expected. He has a very auto-tune heavy sound, very electronified, very just distorted synths are his wheelhouse. So for him to get more melancholy was an interesting twist. The best songs though, probably the more up-tempo vibes like Drop Top and Bad Words. He has a range of tempos that alternate well, like with Goodbye, with its faster tempo, is followed by slower, more somber reflections. So it's an interesting tracklist randomizing, but he holds on to that classic autotune delivery. He's a one-of-a-kind artist, and he showed off this duality with the music videos. He has the really colorful, bright, just aesthetically on-point video for Wonder, but then he goes for more symbolic, literally dark visuals with Rose in the Heart, which brings to mind Dawn a bit with Dawn's Dear My Light video. I talked about that appeal in a previous episode, the multitude of ways Dawn was able to visually represent a feeling. Like, this is what love feels like. It feels like this, 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 etc. Ash Island's video is kind of like that, with the variety of ways he is processing emotions in real time. It's a meaningful video, whereas the Wonder video, more just fun to look at. Number 15. AB6, The Future Is Ours, Lost. The video for Loser, super cool, and cinematic, and aesthetic. This purple sky, both stormy and sunny, it still stays purple. Glowing butterflies that keep replacing the dark smoke, all the flowers that bloom, lots of obvious symbolism, and then some more ambiguous creative twists on symbolism. Like, they kind of have a voodoo doll narrative, but one of them plays the figurine. Like, they're figurines in a diorama on a table in a life-size maze. So the life-size maze is just a tabletop maze they are in as players in a game. But then IRL, they kind of go through that maze too. Their voodoo dolls controlling themselves. Plus, Dehui gets firepower. Dehui bias stands. We are blessed as always. His voice is one of a kind again on this song. He also helped write it, so shout out to him again. 
And it's just fitting for the theme that they end with running towards a billboard that says lost and found. Like the billboard gives them a literal sign, a message, but it's not an answer. They're still asking, pun intended, what's the answer? And they're running to the end of a tunnel to get to the billboard. Another irony because the billboard's blocking their exit from the tunnel they're trying to get out of. So it's a dead end, but they're running towards this possibility anyway. The song is about reaching out for help to navigate this dark life that feels like a maze that will never end. To me, the most powerful lyric is cry of the soul asleep like a withered flower. Hope it will come as the light to wake me up. So it's a dark song, but with a catchy pop sound to it. In a video that represents both kind of hope spurning eternal, a rebirth, but also a death with tombstones and dead ends and other darker undertones, the stormy skies. There is so much happening. It's the dawn of a new era and the end of something cinematic in this video. So very new and creative video for them, but sonically, they stay right in their classic signature wheelhouse. Something about 86 songs are just consistent. They really have their niche, a very specific type of synth pop they thrive with, and they're back to that with these songs. I also love that they snuck in a Sucker for Your Love reference, because that is their probably best song ever for B-sides, the most underrated B-side ever. Number 14. Yao Chen with the self-titled album. The range is big. He alternates between this rugged rap, this macho persona, and then songs with just more gentle guitar, more in the vein of a pop ballad, and a very intriguing Welcome to Yao's Land introduction instrumental really gets your attention right away. So the album is short but sweet and keeps your interest. The music videos are where the biggest range is. The self-titled video is intense. Lots of fight scenes, lots going on, very angst-ridden, but an interesting symbolic finale. Then Lonely is just the most visually stunning. He goes on this backpacking trip, so he sings about loneliness and reminiscing on happier days, but then he kind of cheers you up as a viewer by giving you a lot of pretty eye candy. The skies are just beautiful. Lonely is probably overall the best song on here, quality-wise, and it's just a relatable reflection on puppy love-type days, just playing games together, low-stakes hangouts. Number 13, Marani, The Drift. Bad Boy really has Billie Eilish energy. Actually, Marani does all the time, but especially with the song Bad Boy, not just because of the title. But she does have this cool, I don't care tone, a sinister tone, I'm above you kind of tone. The delivery is very interesting. Other songs are just showing off her very flirty, her uber confidence. She runs the show, a very strange show. Lots of sound effects bring the interlude from part of the album with lots of distorted synths and raps to a part that's more, actually I think better, in the second half. Some bouncier and more upbeat stuff, but also then back to her classic sound. It goes back and forth. She has a very unique way of making songs unique, not just with her delivery, but just subtle twists in the, the sound effects, the echoes, the layering, the whispering, pitch changes, etc. She's very artistic with the direction of this album. I love the bad boy lyrics too. I love the lyric, our relationship is like a glass of alcohol. It's shattered, but not bad. Number 12, one and only, Departure, special edition. This J-pop group really proves that their many singles were building up to this. Now they're ready for a full album release. It is very high energy, 
My favorites are Circle, Open, Get That, and Set a Fire. There's a great mix of guitar, autotune, trap, two circle. The guitar heavy songs, Step Up and Open. Step Up is some good fan song material. Set a Fire is a little only one of-esque. Departure sounds a bit Stray Kids-esque. Hunt is a song that is whatever, but hang in there. Wait for the choruses. Get that? That's Latin-tinged pop excellence. Lucky and Good Day have more of a classic summer flower boy K-pop concept. The EDM beat drops in Last Forever are great. Their other just summer feel-good vibes. EDM. It's all over the place, but all catchy and all interesting. And taking together a great presentation of this group if you're new to them. Number 11. Icon Take Off. I am so freaking happy Icon is back, and they really are back. Like, this is early day Icon vibes. The video, the sound, it's all just them through and through. No acting, no hiding. This is them on their own terms. It's just so exciting to see. You and Tentera, really great singles. You is actually the better one, though, I think. It's so, so good. It's on loop, and I just can't get enough of it. Lyric pun intended. The other best songs, Driving Slowly and All the Way Here. They really do show quite a solo range, too. There's just a wild, yeehaw-fied feeling to Fighting by Son. There's a cool series of guitar moves in Percussion, in DK's Kiss Me. It is June's Unique Voices, Time to Shine, in Watch It Back, also in Like a Movie, also with the others. It's interesting because classic icon sound fills the first half. Then they get some solos that feel kind of like bonus tracks. Like they don't really fit on the full album sound-wise. Just special treats if your bias is one of them. And lots of sounds throughout that are just really great throwbacks to classic icon eras. Number 10. Card Icky. Maybe I'm one of tens of people who remember this movie, but those who do will appreciate this reference. The Icky video looks like it's set in the alternate world in the live-action Cat in the Hat. When they go into the box where Thing 1 and Thing 2 live in a world in that box, that world, that's what they brought to life with the Icky video. If you know, you know. If you don't, congratulations or sorry. It's now a cult classic movie, whether you like it or not. Anyway. They are just so unapologetically card. They really just figured out what their groove is, and their signature style is just flexed. They really grew into this new level of confidence. They really work well with the Moonbottom sound that they're back to for Icky, and they've been pretty transparent about all the innuendos, so it's just a mature, interesting, standout piece in the K-pop world. Cake is an interesting song for being the first one purely card, like all co-written by all members and just them. They actually thought they just worked so well together that they went with the demo version. The OG version of the song was perfect enough. They also have a very distinguishable, specific vibe to their visuals that we see in the Without You video. It's like terrarium chic. Don't know how else to put it, but they rock it. They know what they do best. Number nine, ATBO. The beginning, take off. First of all, they run the gamut with the sound of this album. Future R&B, they call it. Pop R&B, a ballad, New Jack Swing. They also, I think, sonically have parallels to Cypher. So if the boy group Cypher is right up your alley, they are too. Just Dance is a standout, definitely for fans of G999 by Moonbeal and Marani. 
Just For Us is another one I want to shout out because they all contributed to it. It's an acoustic pop ballad, very sweet. I also think they have something special and interesting about the dancing to this comeback. The dance element is different because of the point dance. They call it the trance dance, where they just kind of move their feet crazy. And the location of dance scenes in the Next To Me video on this body of water, like on a platform on the water. I don't remember the last time I saw that in K-pop. That stood out to me. They also stood out to me because their comeback had this really cute, fun album teaser. Like a black and white movie with a voiceover narration in this pilot plot. So a pilot main character in three chapters of this mini movie, he, long story short, crashes his plane, but the setting goes back to being in color. When the others join him, they help assist him. It's pretty predictable, but it's it's cute. It's endearing. Number eight, SB19 Gento. This word is a way to say ganito, which also means like this. It's also a play on word with the word for gold, ginto. And the song's basically about refining yourself into gold. The trailer for this comeback really interested me. It's this Hunger Games-esque apocalypse world. Resources are scarce. They're all crowded around this source of light, trying to re-light it up because it went out. So they're trying to find an energy source, a source of power. They're super desperate. They try everything, but no substance is the magic elixir they seek. But then who provides it? Our superheroes of the day, SB19, who come onto the scene after an explosion, dramatic model walking with their all-white outfits, saving the day, very extra. But there's a very fun plot twist at the end. Spoiler alert! Turns out the source of the light was them, but that's because they are tiny. Like, they are the ones in the terrarium, in the light source. It's Horton Hears a Who-esque. They're in a mini-world within the bigger world, the bigger world being Alien's world. So aliens are looking down on them in their tiny world. That's a fun plot twist. But besides the off-the-walls narrative, this really stood out to me because of the, the message. It's a good message, and it's just given a theatrical twist. But at its core, it's really about putting your effort toward a team goal, a shared better future. It's not an every-man-for-himself message. It's about doing something for the collective. It's also about being the change you want to see in the world, and that piece-by-piece effort pays off. The world suddenly shifts, not because you did something big, but because of accumulated little things you did. So just take one baby step, do one thing to make the world better, and it'll add up. Number seven, Davida Naughty. Her voice is so compelling, so unique, seamlessly sending across more R&B tracks, more pop-leaning stuff. Her voice can do anything, although probably best suited for the more mellow tone stuff. She has an odd eyebrow-raising narrative for the Naughty video, because I think her doll date turns into a real boy. But it could just be she took the doll on a date, and then all of a sudden her dream human date shows up, and that's different. So it maybe is like a life-size movie weird reboot. I don't know, it caught my eye, and it was as compelling to watch as her voice is to hear. And then she just shows off her more dance-focused side with the Ride For Me video, which was very smartly released early. So before you could stream this on, you were already like, ooh, this is a bop, I'm hyped for this, when it officially comes out. It was a good teaser. Number six, Dreamcatcher, Apocalypse From Us. They are back, just like always. So this is classic Dreamcatcher. If you like their previous releases, you'll like this one too. 
They're really just great with this pop rock sound. The proportion of punk and rock in their pop songs is growing. Like over time it's become a higher percentage of the other stuff with a diminishing percentage of the pop focus and it suits them. Then there's more of a slow guitar back number though to you, but with the thick synth layer, it's kind of lighter than the other tracks but still heavy, so it still feels like it captures the album overarching mood of being trapped in something all-consuming to listen to. That feeling of being stuck, but they try to break out in the super power-filled Bon Voyage video. So many easter eggs in that video. If you've listened to my past Dreamcatcher episodes, you know them already. I told you to keep an eye out for butterflies being symbolic, as well as purple flowers, anything that reaches out through the mirror from the other dimension, the hooded characters, it's all back. Love that they stay in that world-building mode. They never, like, take a detour for just something light and fun. No, Dreamcatcher's version of Summer Fun will stay dramatic and part of the story, part of the canon. Number five, Espa, My World. I thought it was really smart to market this album one single after another with their own videos because you basically heard the full album and you got to watch it before just streaming it. And it was a way to kind of test the water, see what fans were responding to the most. They got to show off a lot of different concepts in one, making the broad title My World a good choice. Like this is all we want to present to you. It's quite a range. There's this just fun summer Y2K Barbie-coated outfit situation in the spicy video. In other videos, rather than play the people you want to hang out with, they play kind of just more dramatic characters like in Salty and Sweet that's dripping in sparkles. The Thirsty video goes for a cute retro movie TV show vibe. I'm Unhappy is an interesting addition to their complex narrative, so is Welcome to My World. In both of those cases, and actually in Spicy too, it's not as all bubblegum as you thought, because there are glitches in other moments where that's there's a subtle reminder in there, like, hey, not everything is what it seems in Espa's world. Like, darker forces are afoot. If you've checked out my past Espa episodes of the show, you know that. There are sinister aspects to the digified world they are partly inhabiting. So the bridging of worlds and dimensions is not all it's cracked up to be. The downsides are always within reach of you, basically. So lots of just sweet moments, hanging out together on a road trip together or whatever. But also subtle reminders, if you're looking for them, this rosy time is not going to last for these characters. They really keep up the world building in a smart way. Number four, Lay Seraphim, Unforgiven. I'm going to make a whole episode about Lay Seraphim because we have much to discuss, much to discuss, including that Bluebeard reference. Stay tuned. Let's move on. We'll talk about this later. Number three, G-Idol, I Feel. As usual, Soyeon was the main producer who composed and wrote much of this, and Yuki helped write All Night and Peter Pan. The album is a really fun, interesting mix of introspection and just throwbacks to previous references. It's new and old in what it addresses. So they still talk about insecurities, trying to really find themselves, but in new ways. Allergy was a smart crowd pleaser to make the pre-release, where they sing about feeling like everyone else has cooler things, and the allergy they sing about is the mirror. The video is a part one to the story, because Soyeon's gonna go under the knife, then decide she's better off without plastic surgery. At the last second, she bails in the follow-up, the queen card video. 
The most interesting lyric to me in Allergy is the possible New Jeans reference. When they say, I also want to dance hype boy, but in the screen, I'd look like tomboy. That was interesting. Like, I try to do what the cool girls are doing, and I don't look the cool way they do. This release impresses not just for the moral of the story, though, of you being perfect as you are, complete as you are, but also because it's just fun. The whole aesthetic of this comeback is so specific, and it just feels very G-Idol. Tomboy really did something. Tomboy era really reset the clock for G-Idol. Like, it really started a new thing for them. They're very specific sound and style visually. It's just very clear their creative vision. They've really tapped into something. They're very heavily Y2K inspired. Lots of teen comedy movies. They said I Feel Pretty was especially influential as they created the story. And they all play classic throwback movie characters. You got the, well, not all throwbacks, you got the influencer character, but also the mean girls, the queen bee, the besties, etc. But in their own way. And I just love all the, the throwback energy. The B-sides have an impressive maturity for them. They're just extra flirty and mature and just take charge and, yeah, just very, very flirty more than ever in the second half of the album. But then they end with Peter Pan being like they feel like they're a failure for not growing up more. They also talked about that a bit, apologizing to their parents, actually, in the last album. So an interesting revisiting of doubts and fear of letting people down. They also throw back to a previous release with the song Paradise, where they sing about Adalia blooming, I'm drunk in a flower called you. They say the exact same lyric about being drunk in a flower called you in the song Dahlia that they do in the new song Paradise. Plus, previously they said, the color of this love is growing thicker, it deepened irreversibly, I'm getting more and more colored with you. And now in the new song Paradise, they sing, in the monotonous city, you are the only color that's filling my everyday. So some interesting throwbacks to Dahlia in Paradise. Very cool continuation, aesthetically and thematically, of their tomboy era. Both empowering and just a, a relatable, messy look at the ways they're still insecure. It's not a you're 100% confident all the time narrative. So it's refreshing in its complexities. Number two, Juhani, Lights. For the sake of time, because there's still so much in terms of honorable mentions I want to get to, and because I do think he deserves a standalone episode to celebrate his solo work, we're just going to move right along. I'll do a separate episode all about Juhani's solo discography, talking about this incredible new era for him. Drumroll, please, for number one, best release of May. If you're a listener of the show regularly, you already know what I've gone on and on about, so I won't now, because I did a whole episode about this epic, epic album in epic, epic story before. So check out the episode called This Group's Name and then Epic Tales. They're epic tales. That's the episode where I decode that album and the short film and the music video and the teaser content, everything about the applications of references like to mythology, to Bach, to the dance of death and other notable artwork, so many art and literary tie-ins. I really just had a great time breaking down every single detail in that release. So it has to be number one. It is N hyphen for Dark Blood. Now on to a ton of honorable mentions in no particular order. Padi, answer, answer. This pair of singles was written and co-composed with help from Lehigh and B.I. Iconic stuff already, just knowing that. It also features Thama and YDG. What impressed me most was, well, Lehigh's signature warbly voice, of course. So beautiful, so cool, so distinct. But also just the video camera work. 
the do music video is like one big take like they're filming a movie scene in one shot panning from room to room. So people are kind of frozen in time. The camera goes to them one by one. When the camera's on them, they're sort of like unfrozen and do their dance. And they find interesting ways to do dances, like in partners or even just like hand and arm movement by themselves. It could easily look pretty lame, but they don't make it look that way. They make it look like cool dancing by themselves or in a group, but also just kind of low-key, giving 50% effort. They're all playing a character in a way, but they all ace the assignment. It's clearly a very specific direction they followed, but also just kind of spontaneous. It's just really well done cinematography-wise, pacing-wise, detail-wise. It is the feel of an improv number. And all the famous faces you'll see in the video definitely have the talent to pull that off. It would be cool to have like some sort of viral challenge for this song where when a bunch of famous faces get together, they have this kind of dance challenge, relay race style, when the camera goes to them. Just something to think about. Scandal, Line of Sight. This pair of singles from a J-Rock group impressed me for the ways they're sonically and lyrically really well aligned. They complement each other. They both touch on, in their own ways, ironically, not seeing clearly. Your sight is hazy, fogged over, and you're trying to see through the fog, metaphorically, by finding your voice, finding your true vision. They lean on vision-related metaphors throughout. The nature of memory, the desire to see people for who they fully, clearly are in full view, you name the sight metaphor and they've got uh, an application in these songs. So poetic lyrics, a nice complementariness because sometimes the B-side on a single album is just kind of a throwaway, not as high quality, and just a whatever song, not this time. Both single worthy, so it's just a strong release in every way for them. It's insightful, but also just pretty easy, predictable listening in their wheelhouse. Secret number, dosha, D-O-X-A. It is an ancient Greek term that means to appear, to seem, think, or accept. But in biblical Hebrew, it means glory. They also say it just refers to venom, so lots of different meanings, and I think it just really suits them well. Their tap era, not for me as much. I just think their more edgy, dark side is most well-suited for them. The whole secret number spy brings to mind spying premise. Those personas fit them best. Speaking of edgy, YTT released FO, which stands for F off. The sun does not mince words. So if you've been cheated on, this is your anthem, but delivered in kind of a an understated way. A little Billie Eilish-esque in her delivery, her way of seeking revenge, but quietly, not yelling and screaming. The video is interesting because it's kind of choreography, the way her and the man she's mad at are kind of sparring physically. They're getting combative in each other's faces in a dance-like way. Like they were made for each other. Neither is the upper hand. They are partners in a dance, but... It's a, it's a messy dance. Just a very interesting video, but yeah, pretty intense and spicy. Something much lighter. Hello Glooms, Eyes on Me. He looks like the epitome of just cute California boy with his blonde hair and his wardrobe. Very summer-ready. Plus, just like his last comeback with Dancing in the Dark, this synth-pop vibe is just really suited for him. Some sadder lyrics at times, but the hello in the gloom is back with some catchy beats. 
Shout out to me for foreshadowing the song title and no one noticed. My interview is called Keep Your Eyes on Hello Gloom in the Faker Club, his agency. And his new song is now, I can confirm, Eyes on Me. Gotta watch out for that. I'm sneaky. Max Chengman teamed up with Ha Hyunwoo for Hybrid. It's got a big band sound. It's operatic. This alt rock song, but with strings. It's interesting in how it just stays intense, and they let out these extremely emotional high notes. It sounds like a TVXQ song in many ways, but new for Ha Hyun Woo and Max Chainman and him, they prove to be a, a compatible, powerful duo. And I like when they're both in a collab, invested equally, and they both work quite hands on with this release. Adia are here. A new girl group, ADYA, with the self-titled debut and the single Purr. The band name combines ya, the Spanish word for now, with adventure, adia. They clearly took out of New Jeans' playbook. Not to diss them, I predicted this year we would see a lot of the New Jeans energy. Other groups going for a girl next door outfit, going for a, a Y2K heavy aesthetic, going for a fresh face look, looser choreography, interesting subtle details in their delivery. Just all the New Jeans go-tos for effective viral content the others are taking cues from. They're leading the trends and clearly New Jeans influenced this new group. Not not saying that is a bad thing. I'm just saying it's pretty clear. So you might like their style if you like new jeans. They're doing it their own way. And it's unusual because this group actually created their own debut choreography, which I think is really smart because not only does it make sure you have this loyalty, this teamwork, this compatibility of the group you just formed if you let them create their own routine together. It's not just team building, but it also shows from the get-go they get creative freedom. So you have clients from a boss perspective, you have clients who feel invested in and encouraged to be free to explore ideas creatively right out of the gate. That is appreciated. So that's one thing that you got to remember too, is if people are taken out of new jeans in their boss's playbook, it's not just style-wise, it's management-wise, which could be very, very positive. Yunha sounds so gorgeous on her new live album, Mindset. Especially kaze, it means wind in Japanese. It's one of those songs that has gentle guitar as the focus, as does See You, View, One Day of Twenty. The piano focuses on The Hardest Work, My Everything, Hoshi Yurimo, Toihito. The piano and strings get to shine together on some songs like Don't Tell Me It's Not Love and Hating and Loving and Waiting. More subtle percussion shining in 30th Midnight. So piano, strings, guitar, but all just soft and cushioning her voice nicely. Kyunseo has a new EPO called Ongoing, and she should have made Ongoing the title track, because it's literally the title track, and it's the catchiest song. And the 120 BPM video, super cute. The aesthetics are just on point. And she just has a sweet, endearing voice and personality. Cooing has a new video for Even So. She continues to have just visually, very aesthetically pleasing videos, just kind of like therapeutic to just watch the visuals, kind of mesmerizing. So even when you don't like her music, you can look forward to her comebacks for the video's sake. In this one, she's got some ballet core outfits, object close-ups, and technicolor moments that bring to mind kind of a Pinterest mood board situation. 
Cold has a new album, Love Part 2. The best song is lyrically RM's, Don't Ever Say Love Me. I just love the way that RM phrases it. Love is a violence, gonna break all the silence. We lost the balance, lost all the pilots, lost in a dream, lost in a city. You begging for all the pity. I just found it very poetic. There's a new girl group brought to you by Ozzy, the producer and Japanese artist. The new group is called Moonchild, and their debut is called Delicious Poison. And their debut video is a lot to look at. It reminded me of how I felt when Itzy debuted with Dala Dala. Overwhelmed. But I learned to love Itzy, so maybe Moonchild will be that way too. But it is a lot visually to take in. Kind of end mix in that way too. The video for Don't Blow It is literally everything. Like color-wise, prop-wise, style direction-wise. They threw everything at the wall and decided everything stuck. And I think, honestly, the video would really be better if it was just one or two of those elements. Like, just the scene where they're dancing together in monochrome looks. Or just the scenes where they're playing with props. They are loud and proud and ready to shine, so I do love the confidence. They didn't have to grow into it, it's already there. Similarly loud and bold sounding is the B-side phonogenic, but the best B-side's probably One Bite. Although I love the lyrics most in Buzz Buzz, because I'm the queen bee and you know that, honey. I'm just a sucker for puns like that. Billy released the Japanese version of the Ginga Mingyo The Strange World music video. Check out my latest on their music video world, purple and blue color symbolism, all their other Easter eggs, in the episode called Billy's World 2.0, Shameless Plug. They definitely have tons of those symbolic callbacks in this new video. The Book of Fairy Tales with Billy Love's name on the cover, the purple balloons, the feathers, the bookshelf, which includes the Dark Tower, as well as a book by Peter James, a thriller and crime author, the bookcase wall that hides a secret blue room, then they got a purple room. We got that MacGuffin. If you know, you know. Check out the last episode about Billy, the abominable snowman MacGuffin in the room with them. The one-eyed rabbit returns. The owl is back. The birthday cakes. There's a lot of if you know, you know references. So you may want to brush up on their story before you check out the video, but it's another great one. And even if you don't get all the Easter eggs, it's just a cute watch because they look really cute in their preppy outfits, just smiling and dancing together. It's adorable. The boy group Ozone is basically always in comeback mode because they just keep releasing one single after another with a video. From the more dramatic, classic slow boy band song to the trap beats and more rugged persona of Mona Lisa, the obligatory concert footage filled music video with young blood. Sometimes they're dancing, sometimes they're dramatically posing and staring. They run the gamut. Sometimes individually, sometimes solo. They're always up to something. In the past month, even more so than usual. Japanese duo Yoasobi are back with Haji Mateno. The best parts of the EP are at the end, so stay tuned for the second half. Mister is good. Sukita's probably the best and should have gotten a bigger promo boost compared to the others. That term refers to basically confessing you crush on someone. Speaking of crushes, there's an adorable new video for 10 centimeters new song, My Ultimate First Love which is about his first love. So you see a little boy trying to woo this little girl at school. He auditions for the band. He becomes a rock star. He sings with his guitar in the school gym at a dance. He serenades her, gives her a love letter. It's super cute. But there's an interesting plot twist at the end, which made me a little disappointed and confused about the legitimacy of her reciprocated affection. But it is cute until the end. 
Lonely in Tokyo got the deserved EP version. It's such a bouncy bop, a synth pop layered jam, a single from Murray, M-I-R-E-I. It is some cool echoing in the choir, this auto-tune twisting, layered synthesizers. The percussion starts going off, but only after you thought you had a persistent tempo and you didn't. It is a sonic roller coaster. Love it so much. JP The Wavy has a new rap album, Hit Different. What's Poppin' features Lana with very Hyolin-esque vocals. Then there's more of a trap beat focus to Drippy in OK. This is another release where the second half is better than the first, so hang in there. Angie has a new single, To the Stars, where she wears a very cute emerald green, super sparkly mini dress and dances around a diner, just living her best life to a catchy song, What's Not to Like. Sayaka Yamamoto and, or ampersand, Honestly, I was hoping for more Don't Hold Me Back era energy. Don't Hold Me Back is still her best song, period. It's on this album, so there's that, but no other song on it impressed me as much. But it's still a pretty good, rollicking, jovial album. Lots of fast guitars, rapid percussion. The most down-the-middle pop offering is Yonder. If you want a slower tone but emotional, the track after that is for you. Lamento gets slower and more emotional too, so emotional pivots but stays pretty fast-paced. Eerie, IRI, has a new album called Private. It's kind of nice and vibey, jazzy, but honestly I would have preferred more high-tempo stuff. So the best would be Friends. It's a dance-ready one. Finally brings the energy up. Some of the others do too, but would have loved more of it. Interestingly, Starlight, to me it's like the daytime version of Gaslight by Mars 23 and Ozzy. Instrumentally, it just feels like Gaslight Daytime Edition. I don't know. If you know, you know. Roll is an interesting one, delivery-wise. It's kind of like New Jeans, Ditto, and OMG eras, with its sort of talky in its tone. Something sonically is familiar. Drama is ironically one of the chillest songs, the lowest tempo on this album. It is very versatile, for sure, in its influences and sounds. Very, very Liminality Episode Dream. Crazy Like That is quite new for them and hard to explain. It's very headphone requiring, like immerse yourself in surround sound, and it's kind of ASMR-ish. Listening to it intimately with headphones makes it better. Boy Next Door, who? I really like their promo strategy because they really helped draw it out and gin up excitement with releasing the teaser content, a cute highlight reel with knocking on a different door and seeing a new world unfold behind each door as they tease the music. The marketing was smart, as was giving all three debut tracks their own videos in the single treatment. So you get the debut single, debut EP, debut introduction to the group, all of it in one. And it's so cute and just simple in its appeal. They're literally called Boy Next Door, so they naturally exude that Boy Next Door charm. It's a built-in concept, built-in marketing, built-in appeal. It's nice and just straightforward, good vibes and cute antics trying to win over a crush. It's just very wholesome stuff. Speaking of wholesome, there's a new video for Star by Ikimono Gakari. The rough lyric translation says the song is kind of about just you are enough as you are, you are a star worthy of love, I'll be here, the power of love, with me to protect you, your feelings are valid, you are a bright star in this world, all that good stuff. It's a sweet song for a parent to tell a kid, or you to just tell someone feeling insecure. 
it's just very sweet. And the video is claymation-esque. It's animated. It's very cute and pretty. Constellation drawing and fun adventures together. It's just sweet and about being there for someone. Triple S Aesthetic. Subjectively, sonically, I prefer the sound of Triple S, Triple A, the Assemble era. But aesthetic, I think they're better at pulling off visually and just video concept wise. I enjoy the video more for this era, even though subjectively, I prefer the other stuff. Objectively, though, I think they actually have an interesting contrast here. Sonically, they do have some similarities to the Assemble era, but visually it's very new for them. It brings me some Red Velvet Happiness era vibes, with all the CGI, the big flower displays, the ballet recital-esque outfits, very uber cutesy. But the B-sides have a lot of old-school hip-hop R&B influences and synth-pop influences, so it's just fun hip-hop-pop. It's a unique blend. I would say a standout for me is Touch, or Cherry 100%. Six, CIX, they're back with OK Episode 2, I'm OK. Get to know their backstory with the guide to six episode of the show, shameless plug. It's interesting that they start with the ballad, Back to Life, because the ballad typically goes at the end of the K-pop album. They have these high-pitched, paying voices, a nice build-up in the pre-choruses, then they get to better feel-good stuff. Color is a standout because it's so stripped at times, it's almost a cappella. But then the guitars come in rollicking, so it is sonically unpredictable. The video, I will warn you, is quite graphic, or just quite intense. Literally and figuratively dark. If you've kept up with their story, you know that by now, they touch on some very serious issues. There's a car crash involved and stuff in their narrative as well. They're revisiting the narrative that started in their very early days. So with the Save Me, Kill Me title, it does feel like they're about to re-enter a time loop or something. Some big final tie-up and a start of a new era. This is the end and the beginning of something. I think it's both at once. The drama stays 10 out of 10. Ali passcode. This is a meta moment where Ali is filming this movie scene within the video. So a video within the video, but she's forming real feelings for her movie character's love interest. So she's singing about unrequited love while she has to play a character in the video who's dealing with it herself, dealing with it in the video, and dealing with it as a character in the video that's being made within the video. And it's just a pretty relatable song about being afraid to mess up a friendship by admitting deeper feelings for someone you're worried about making that first move and things going wrong so you're keeping your feelings to yourself but it's hard and it's a good ambiguous ending to go with the song's uncertainty because the director yells cut at the end and then you know for sure this was just an act so when they got flirty-ish was it mutual did she find out or is it just part of the act how many layers deep how meta is this how much is the reciprocation of the love the actors or is it manufactured for some of them but in one dimension here it's real where's the authenticity and it is ambiguous but it probably should be for the theme's sake that's how life is no clean cut answers need you movie star First of all, I just think it's so cute to watch her reaction to this whole big shining solo moment for her. She got so just genuinely sweet and emotional tearing up at her press conference. 
She's been a star as an actress and in Lovelies, but as a solo singer, this was her first big moment. And just the pride in her voice and demeanor, the pride, the joy at this dream come true moment, it was really special, especially because in the movie star video, she got to work with her longtime idol, Lee Hyori. And they're now under the same company. How's that for living the dream? Movie Star is a dance score, a disco-infused house song. Then she shows off a softer side with the B-side ballad, Miss You. The video is quite meta. Honestly, there have been so many videos this past month that seem to do this meta theme of a movie within a movie where the premise in the video is making a video. So she jumped on the bandwagon. She looks great in the video, and I'm very happy that she got to bring her vision as a soloist to life. Plus that minty blue prom dress she wears on the cover art, stunning. I'm honestly not sure I like Minnat, actually the word for midnight in Swedish, the new project from Hybe artist Lee Hyung. This is their debut of an AI-involved project in partnership with Supertone that they had secretly called Project L when it was still under wraps. This is Project L Phase 1. So I'm not sure I recommend it as much as I just want to talk about it because it's something worth keeping your eyes on. Hybe is always at the top of trends and it's just very both trendy to do this and innovative and different in a Hybe specific way. So I'm recommending this. Honestly, the song is not my cup of tea, but it is a release worth flagging and checking out the often forgotten about by comparison artist from Big Hit Music, who is actually around since the mid-aughts, so well before BTS was a thing. He is well known for his ballads, he used to be part of a duo, he's been around a while. But he hasn't had quite a transformation like this. This new alter ego is very out of the blue for him. And at first it was teased as who's the identity behind this persona, and it was him. Masquerade is the synthwave slash neutro song with the video that was made with chroma and LED based technology. So the music videos were filmed with augmented reality sets in partnership with Giant Step. Hitchhiker actually worked on this too, which I find interesting because he's a DJ who's done a lot of tech focused releases for SM Entertainment's visuals. High-tech stuff was involved in the creation itself, allowing him to record in six languages. So the song Masquerade is in six versions, so rather than just AI-generated out-of-the-gate vocals, they actually just had AI come in to fine-tune his pronunciation. But they did go straight to AI for a female voice. So the female singer in the song, all AI, not a real person. Apparently, the original plan was for the AI voice to rap too, but they scrapped that. So many interesting questions come to mind with this project. The pros and cons are pretty clear now. Like, that's really cool that you can modify pronunciation so you can make your music more accessible and personalized for listeners in different parts of the world. It's also, though, kind of concerning that the featured artist can just be generated, so you don't have to actually, like, pay a human to sing. So I'm kind of of several minds about this project. As for the AR video, like I said in a recent episode, I mean, Parasite had a whole story added to the house with technology. Like, it was a one-story house physically they filmed at. What AR, VR, etc. can do to make these lifelike, and therefore then cheaper, sets for movies and stuff. And I do think you could picture this stuff as not being AI-assisted, like just purely physical settings, if I hadn't told you otherwise. You would be none the wiser. So it is very impressive, this video, how it doesn't look like it's just green screen, LED screen type stuff. 
So the video I find cooler, the music aspect I find more concerning. And the thing, though, that I'm really hung up on besides the technology and my mixed feelings about it is the actual plot. It was smart to make it a five-part short film just because of people's attention spans these days. Instead of a mini-movie, they just went with a one-minute, five-part series. I am very confused. Spoiler alert slash long story short, the short films show this alter ego in what looks like a mix between a clothing store and the garage, like a parking garage, looking through clothing racks. Someone with a sheet like a ghost costume is there. He encounters a black cat who rides shotgun with him, then takes the wheel so he can ride shotgun. They go on quite a ride. Skip video four, because it's just a bunch of annoying car alarms, basically. <laughs> Not much action, kind of just annoying, frankly. And then at the end, the words on the screen say, quote, is this the end or is it just the beginning, unquote. He's back in that weird garage sale type aesthetic, I guess. And the ghost is back, the cat's back. But then the cat ends up being the size of the room, like growing enormous after the ghost feeds it a candy bar. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if this is just, they are, they don't even know either. So the fun is in not knowing what AI will suggest happens in the plot. Or if they do have more social commentary down the road, knowing Hybe, usually they go that route. So this totally just silly plot is surprising surprising to me. I don't know what to think of the plot or this whole alter ego for him, but it's definitely one to watch for better or worse. Danielle from New Jeans sounds just beautiful and very aerial with her cover of Part of Your World for the Korean dubbed version of the new Little Mermaid movie. Real R-E-O-L is back to her usual EDM pop banger material with glitter. I Don't Like Mondays has an ambiguous new video to go with one of their best singles in a while, Umbrella. Chen's beautiful new song, Before the Petals Fall, very lyrically aligned with Seventeen songs. Very Seventeen of him, those lyrics. If you know, you know. Thematically, it's just on point. I appreciate the accidental way he brought them to mind. Handum has a new song called Maze. It's kind of a trot song, but I really surprised myself by how much I enjoyed it, and it seemed more pop. More down-the-middle pop than I thought it would be. Don't knock it till you try it. Way catchier than expected. Acapella group Nareen continued to amaze me, and their latest cover that just blows my mind is their acapella way of singing Flower by Jisoo. Go check it out on YouTube. Seventeen Soongwan has a new OST, Still You. Perpetually underrated group 9001 released another punk-ish, but mostly pop, jam, upside down. Thai girl group Mix Fruit went a different route, but a good one for them, with this R&B soul song called Self-Doubt. Speaking of Thai releases, Violet Wautier and Patrick Anada team up for the beautiful acoustic Sick. Pure Kim released I'm Sorry and Congratulations. Full disclosure, I interviewed her for the site, so I'm biased, but learning more about her album really did help me gain appreciation for it. It's a really interesting, nuanced way to talk about the simultaneous ways you can feel high and low in life. So she's saying, I'm sorry that life is hard, but congratulations on existing. It's a cool, insightful mix of encouragement and lyrics that are more self-deprecating. Craxy have a new mixtape, No Limit, and they are just really, this year, extra feisty, and I'm loving it. 
There's a new boy group called The Wind. They released Beginning, The Wind Page, and they give off super early day golden child vibes. Like Genie and then earlier. More like Dom Dottie, like super early golden child days. My Lady, I mean really the early, early stuff. The Wind brings back that vibe. Do with that what you will. More cute youthful energy. Unite with Bit Part 1. Definitely got some NCT Dream energy to look at the TV. Millennium Parade, once again are with Sheena Ringo on a song that's very hard to explain. The latest dose of can't miss good but not sure why weirdness is 2045. June A is back with Road Trip, and the must-hear B-side is To Love Ourselves Again. Tableau, Primary, and Chris teamed up for an OST for Black Knight, the show of the same name, and the lyrics are as poetic and biting as always from Tableau. Speaking of OSTs, I must admit I really want a Jimin-only version of Angel Part 1 from the new Fast and Furious movie. Okay, maybe Mooney Lawn can stay, but a Jimin without as many guest stars version. What I do love about it, though, is those lyrics. I don't know why, but it's just so impressive to me how certain pop songs can just have, in so few words, say so much in such a cool way. I mean, Angel, don't fly so close to me. I'm what you want, not what you need. You don't want to lose those wings. People like me break beautiful things. I don't know. It's just a a quick but concise way to say a lot. Bottom line, that sounds better than it has any right to be. For Eve are back with Life Boy. They're typical better off without him attitude. After hearing the song, I honestly think they just say Life Boy instead of F Boy. If you replace the lyrics Life Boy with F Boy throughout, pretty sure that's what the song is. So if you like that kind of innocent sounding but secretly sassier than you thought vibe, they have that for you. Wu Yerin released Red Rose, and I honestly, I'm just going to shout it out for the color scheme. The aesthetics are just so on point. I love the mix of yellows, pinks, and purples in the room, and blue, plus the outdoor scenes with red, her red outfit, red flowers, music video filming, on a budget, done right. The SM Orchestra have another new instrumental dramatic rendition that I just find very impressive. Their latest reimagining, Hello Future by NCT Dream. Lastly, my C-pop queen, Jolin Sai, has her song playing in teasers for the new Diablo video game. And that's not really a new recommendation, but I mean, the whole ugly beauty era, you must revisit. It is just my queen at her best. Muse is probably her second best, but ugly beauty, 10 out of 10. Actually, 100 out of 10. Can't say enough good things about that album. Anyway, very cool connection to Diablo. And it fits the sinister vibe quite well. The immersiveness of her sound as well. Well, as for the best English language releases of the past month, maybe Demi Lovato listened to my last episode where I said, okay, Heart Attack Rock Remix was everything, next up do Cool for the Summer. And now Demi did, so latest reimagining of a classic is Cool for the Summer rock version. It is everything. Let me do it again. I'm gonna say, next up, please do a rock version of La La Land. That would be cool. Or Made in the USA, maybe, for 4th of July. I don't know, but the catalog has many more options that deserve the rock treatment. Zara Larson has a new single, End of Time. Her confidence is just so earned. Her voice is just, to me, it's so unique and just captivating. She's very unique. And one of my other queens, Dua Lipa, is back with Dance the Night, her soundtrack song for the Barbie movie that everyone is appropriately already freaked out about. It's such a fun, just retro pop bop. 
An early Song of the Summer contender, dare I say, will be, and actually everything on that soundtrack, probably will become people's Songs of the Summer. Ironically or unironically, people will call the Barbie soundtrack the Songs of the Summer. Lastly, Set It Off have a new song with Scene Queen called Win Win, and it is a weird, lightning-fast delight. It's just very in-your-face, screw-you energy. It's fallout boy meets... It's hard to describe, but really fast-paced and just so venting appropriate. It lets out your intense feelings for you, leaves you feeling good at the end. That's all for me today. Find out more about these picks with the corresponding write-up, which will be out at 17karatkpop.substack.com. You can sign up there to get the monthly recommendations and plenty more. Every sign-up really does help independent writers like myself, so please do sign up. Even if you don't care about this, it would help me out. Show you support writers. Learn more about these and more. 17karatkpop.substack.com. And I will talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everybody!